0: in three, in two, in one. Hi, thanks for sitting down with me today. I'm Tim Anderson, the appraiser's advocate. I appreciate the fact you're listening to my podcast, and we call this one, What Are the Property's Characteristics? In talking with appraisers, we find out everybody knows that we have to list the property's characteristics. Nobody really questions that. The issue, however, is what are those characteristics that we're supposed to list and analyze as part of the formation of a credible value opinion? When you ask appraisers, what are a property's characteristics? Typically, the answer comes back, oh, it's size, it's construction system, whether it's old or new, whether it's well-maintained or poorly maintained, whether it has carpet or wood floors or whatever, stuff like that. That is quite frankly, clearly true. Those are a property's characteristics. If you look, however, at Standard Rule 1-2, specifically 1-2E, and then specifically 1-2E1, it says the appraiser must identify, from sources the appraiser reasonably believes to be reliable, the characteristics of the property that are relevant to the type and definition of value and intended use of the appraisal. These include its location and physical, legal, and economic characteristics. Now we just went through some of the physical characteristics of the property, and we show those on the 1004 form under the improvements. That's not terribly difficult. However, let's talk about the legal and economic characteristics of a property. Let's first talk about the legal ones. What is the property's zoning? what's the property's land use? Is the property leased? Is the zoning going to change? Are there any HOA rules governing the development or additions to or demolition of the property itself? These are all legal considerations. Then there are a property's economic characteristics. For example, What would the property rent for if the property were available to rent? Now, a lot of appraisers say that they don't do the cost approach simply because the property isn't rented. Well, that's true, but remember, any property can be rented. Any property can be held out for rent. You can rent it for a lot or you can rent it for a little. You can rent it for its market value or you can rent it for something else. But the point is, any property can be rented. Just as long as you get the rent at what the market is willing to pay for that particular type of property. Any property can be rented, even if it isn't now. So as a result, one of the economic characteristics of the property is what it would rent for. Another economic characteristic of the property is what is it going to cost to maintain? If a property is in a homeowners association, that's just on top of the monthly debt service and everything else that homeowners have to pay to uh, maintain their properties. But the point is, if we're analyzing a property's economic characteristics and it's in an HOA, then we have to analyze the HOA fees too to see if they are so high as to affect the marketability or market value of the subject property. Other economic considerations include things like, uh, what is the unemployment in the area? And is unemployment going up, stable, or coming down? Who are the major employers in the area? You know, right now, we're looking at a situation where people want not necessarily bigger houses, but they want houses with more rooms. And the reason they want houses with more rooms is simply because in the times of COVID, people are staying home and working. In fact, they're finding out it's quite comfortable to stay at home and work. So while the rooms are not an economic consideration, employment is. So do people want more rooms in their house for economic reasons rather than just plain old everyday, space reasons one of the reasons we go through the property's location and its physical legal and economic characteristics is because those flow into highest and best use for example under highest and best use we have this admonition the appraiser must identify and analyze the effect on use and value of existing land use regulations that's legal The appraiser must identify and analyze the effect on use and value of reasonably probable modifications to such land use regulations. That's legal. Economic supply and demand. The appraiser has to identify and analyze the effect on use and value of of those. That is economic. How about the physical adaptability of the real estate? That could have to do with uh, legal issues. It could have to do with economic issues. For example, converting a property from a house to a commercial office use. That's what the physical adaptability of real estate means. And then finally, as part of highest and use, we have to analyze market trends. Well, one of the market trends might be that the zoning changed from very, very low density residential to high density residential. Residential, such as happened in Minneapolis at the beginning of 2020. And now land has become more valuable because it can be put to a denser use than was possible in the past. So we have to look at a property's physical, economic, and legal characteristics in order to analyze its highest and best use. And we have to analyze a property's highest and best use in order to come up with a credible value opinion. USPAP makes it clear these four characteristics must be analyzed in an appraisal. The location, physical, economic, and legal characteristics. Their order is not important. They just all must be there. Now, relative to location, we're of course referring to the site. This has to do with its size. Is it typical for the neighborhood? If it's atypically small, that could affect the marketability and sales price of the subject. If it's atypically large, there may be excess or surplus land. Next is the shape of the site. Does the site's shape lend itself to development? For example, triangular sites are hard to develop because after accounting for setbacks, you lose so much land. How about frontage? Frontage may not be all that terribly important residentially, but it can be commercially. How about frontage on a road to access the property? If you have no frontage on a site and you have to access the property through somebody else's land, that lack of frontage can be an issue. Depth can be an issue. When you get really deep properties, especially if they're also relatively skinny, they lose some of their utility because number one, they're hard to develop because they're skinny, and number two, you have a great deal of land on which you can't do anything. How about the topography? Typically, we tend to think of sites as flat because typically they are. But in many cases, especially in the Western United States, the topography can include hills or mountains. Now, an acre is an acre, whether it's in the flatlands of Kansas or in the Rocky Mountains. But let's face it, if you're on the side of a mountain, maybe of that one acre site, maybe only a third of it is capable of development because the rest of it's too steep and inaccessible. Soil composition may be important, specifically relative to if the site can be developed. If there's too much muck on the site, that has to be taken out. Otherwise, the site can't be, or excuse me, otherwise the dirt on the site can't be compressed enough for development to take place. How about divisibility? Can the property be subdivided? If it's big enough, maybe, if the zoning allows it, maybe if there's proper frontage, maybe if there are utilities, etc. And then what about the changes? What about the potential for changes to any one of these uses? Quoting from AO23, The subject of a real property appraisal has both physical and legal characteristics. In combination, these characteristics define the subject property and, together with the type and definition of value and intended use of the assignment results, provide the basis for deciding what data and analyses should be included in the scope of work. Here's something you've probably never thought about before. This is again, right out of AO 23. It says clearly when the scope of work is excessive, appraisers might unnecessarily forego valuation service opportunities. In other words, if you're too clogged down with busy work, if you're too clogged down worrying about unimportant details, you might miss some jobs. When the scope of work is inadequate, or the subject property characteristics are not appropriately analyzed given the intended use of the assignment results, the results are not likely to be credible or meaningful. And let's face it, the appraisal has to be credible. The value conclusion has to be credible. And then if they don't mean anything to the client, if they haven't helped the client answer any questions, what good is the appraisal? What good is the appraisal report? That's a good reason for the client to say, I could have bought an AVM for a hundred bucks. Why did I have to spend 500 bucks on this appraisal? The point of all this is as we look at a property's characteristics, the characteristics of the location, and then the legal. economic, and physical attributes of the property, both the improvements as well as the site. As we come to understand those, we come to understand what the property's highest and best use is. As we understand what the property's highest and best use is, we are able to value it credibly based on what is happening in the subject's market, which is really all the client asks us to do. So when we talk about the characteristics of the property of the subject property, yes, we're talking about physical items, the size, the condition, etc. But we're also taking into account legal and economic characteristics as well as the characteristics of the subject's location itself. Look at Standard Rule 1-2 and 1-3 old mother USPAP, in effect, comes to the rescue and answers the question, well, why do I have to put all this stuff on the 1004 form? All I'm looking for is a value. That's true. All you are looking for is a value. That's all we all look for, a value. But analyzing those items we just went through is what we have to do in order to lay the groundwork to arrive at that credible value opinion. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it very much. I'm Tim Anderson, The Appraisers Advocate. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's an honor to work with you. If you have any questions with me, please contact me. Tim at the appraisersadvocate.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. My best to you and my best to your family. And we're clear. Oh, and by the way, are your professional fees high enough?